Hey, Power People. Welcome to Renewable Rides, powered by Vector. I'm Gareth Evans, the CEO and founder. And I'm Dan Roberts, head of sales. In each episode, we'll uncover the latest trends, learnings, challenges, and triumphs relating to the energy transition, on-site energy, and sustainability through the experiences of our inspiring guests and team here at Vector. So get ready for an exhilarating adventure into the fast-paced world of challenging limits, adapting purposely, and empowering co-creation to accelerate the energy transition with those that are on a mission to create a more resilient, profitable, sustainable, and thriving energy future. So let's go. Good morning, power people. Welcome back, everyone. Excited to be recording a new episode, Dan. Absolutely. No, it's a delight to be back. Yeah. What's been going on? I'll say the 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 thing that's been most on my mind or, or the biggest delight this week has been the reception from the launch of the podcast. We're, we're recording on Friday, August 18th. We, we launched the podcast earlier this week on Tuesday, and the reception has been been quite good. I think my favorite thing that I've I've heard from some friends that are not in the energy industry that have listened in is that that they feel that we've made energy and the energy transition approachable, which is the goal. So for someone that's not technical and doesn't really know a ton about it, the fact that 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 type of feedback has been coming, maybe it's because it's a friend. I'm curious to hear feedback from others, but that's been the excitement of the week, I think. That's amazing. And it's definitely been super energizing. On that note, I actually just got a text from my mom and my mom said, this is from her sister. Hi, Gareth. I just listened to the podcast. It was a delight to hear your voices. It's so refreshing to listen to someone who cares and wants to make a difference and be inclusive of everyone. So that was amazing to get feedback from an aunt who is definitely not in the energy industry. And I asked my mom, can she leave that that uh, review online? <laughs> and she said she probably wouldn't know how. So uh, there we go. Hopefully we're uh, appealing to a a broad array of people, very diverse backgrounds, and yeah, making this really, really engaging and interesting and and uh, accessible to everyone. Absolutely, absolutely. We've got some exciting upcoming news, I guess, broadly across California. Yeah, with, with the hurricane. Yeah, storms are coming. Absolutely, absolutely. The, the they argue the biggest one in uh, in many decades here. Yeah, it's kind of bonkers what's going on around the world right now, isn't it? Obviously. Uh, Heart goes out and condolences to everyone in Hawaii impacted by the wildfires out there. Meanwhile, up in Canada, Kelowna and Yellowknife are both being evacuated as we speak because of wildfires kind of a sort of licking on their doorsteps. And so it's kind of crazy seeing that going on. Meanwhile, yeah, we've got this hurricane heading up the Baja coast as we speak. As you know, I try and integrate my life and work as much as possible and my day started off today really well. I walked Ethan up to school and then Mel and I ran home from dropping him off to try and tie in a bit of exercise with that. And then I did a little meditation and the meditation was actually titled, Are You Missing Out on Life? And it was all about, you know, not letting the world pass you by and being really present and connected with nature. And so I think this is a perfect example of we're about to become very, very connected with nature with uh, right now. 200 mile an hour winds and a lot of rain heading our way. That has a lot of impacts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think one of the things that unfortunately we we can expect from the storm as it starts to make landfall across 
Mex Mexico or Baja, and uh, and as it starts to hit Southern California in the latter part of this weekend, is outages. And so, in the spirit of of using these podcasts when we're not interviewing a an awesome person in the industry, but touching on some things that we know and and have learned in the industry, really wanted to hit on one common misconception by energy users. So so again, folks in the industry know this, but but those that aren't too familiar with on-site energy systems. And that common misconception is that solar alone will be a backup or I'll be able to use it when the grid goes down. I think that, that uh, we, we hear that quite a bit from customers. I was speaking with an alcohol producer the other day that was talking about needing backup in the evening because they have their solar array. However, it's it's just not the case. And the biggest issue is safety. Maybe you can touch a little bit on the safety issues behind it. Yeah, no, you're spot on, Dan. It's a really interesting topic, isn't it? You know, California has now got 10% penetration. That's the highest in the US for solar. But it's still a long way behind the likes of Australia. They've got 30% solar penetration across residential and commercial buildings, which is amazing. But yeah, we've still got a huge way to go in terms of communities and businesses around the world kind of adding energy to their facility to gain some energy independence. But yes, one of the biggest misconceptions is I've got solar. When the power goes off, I'll be just fine. You know, I'll be I'll be generating my own energy. But for safety reasons, that's not the case. So what what needs to happen is when the grid goes down, amazing people come out and they literally climb up these super big poles and they start fixing the poles and wires. And they're called linemen and massive shout out to all the linemen out there because they do an incredible job to keep the system running seamlessly for the most part. But yeah, occasionally, and especially with storms like the one we're expecting, we're likely to see some downed lines, some impact to the infrastructure. And when that happens, the power goes off across the grid. And when you're generating solar, one of the biggest risks is you continue to generate solar and it gets pushed back into the grid and can really obviously injure and hurt the linemen working on the lines. As a result, what's mandated is anyone who's just got solar, as soon as the power goes off, the solar panels also have to disconnect from the grid such that we're not uh, pushing that energy back into the system. So yeah, you do not generate, you cannot use that energy unless you have the ability to store it or mechanically disconnect from the grid and use it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so this is dramatically impacts businesses that feel like, Oh, we're doing, we're doing the right thing. We're deploying solar. We're going to be covered at least during the day when, when we're, when we're producing, but it's not, not really the case except for under two primary scenarios. We'll, we'll touch on a third, but I'd say there's two real primary scenarios in which, which you can. So the first, which I'd say is, is one that not too many people are going to fall into, which is a which is an off-grid solution. So this is one that's not interconnected with the grid, and therefore there's no concern of of backfeeding, as you were talking about, which would impact the safety of the of the line workers. So that's an an off-grid system. The second being one that has some sort of storage backup. Most commonly, that's going to be battery energy storage systems, and in that case, you can actually store the energy from the solar in your in your batteries. And then consume from the battery in your facility. So those are the two primary ones. I would say there's a lot to uh, to unpack with batteries that uh, much beyond just being a, a backup and yes. and uh, being able to maximize the economics. and And we'll get into that in in future episodes. But those being the the, the two primary ones. So maybe you can touch a little bit on 
the battery being a, a key component to this. Yeah, I think you know, we've seen solar now being deployed for pretty much, well, very aggressively in the last 20 years and definitely more so in the last 10. And it's been amazing to see, you know, cost of solar has come down over 80% in the last 10 years. It's become really affordable, really accessible. And the market's become fairly good at deploying it at scale. And so that's why so many of us now have solar panels and there's great financial opportunities to do so. You know, people can get access to this without paying a penny and reduce their bills. And, but yes, unless you've got the ability to store that energy and then what we call them microgrid controllers or controllers, unless you've got a controller that can disconnect you from the grid and support your system to then generate that solar, store it in the battery, and then optimize the use of that battery for you know your personal consumption. Yet the power goes off and your solar is kind of sat there as a really good looking piece of jewelry for your house. That's basically all it is at that point. And so it's super interesting times and we're seeing batteries becoming a lot more affordable as well. And there's a huge amount of other additional benefits that we get from them. And so almost in every system we're seeing at Vector these days, I think Dan is a, there's a minimum of two technologies, typically solar and storage, and then many others that go with it, you know, to create these hybrid solutions to be able to ride through many different scenarios, situations, business needs and objectives. Yeah. Yeah. You, you hit on something really important there is, is it's not just the solar, but having the ability to, to, uh, and I'm going to use air quotes here, island or go into island mode where you can fully disconnect from the grid, at least for that period of time. And then that microgrid controller optimizes the dispatch of the, of the, the energy in the battery to all of the different equipment or lighting or whatever boilers, whatever, whatever, uh, systems there are that, that people need to be operating. There is a scenario where, uh, and there's some newer technologies over the last couple of years that have been coming out, for example, micro inverters, where you can deploy those and they do give you the ability to, to have some resilience with a solar only system in the event of an outage. I would say that those are more rare. You would certainly have to specify that when you're, when you're going to build a system. However, to your point, the cost of batteries coming down. I don't really know why you would go and, and specify a system that is a solar only system that allows you to ride through a backup when you can use a battery and then you have all the other benefits of it. So with all that said, hopefully this is not something that we have to be concerned about over the coming days and week as Hurricane Hillary starts to make its landfall in Mexico and as it moves up here into California. I think the biggest takeaway is that uh, solar is great. But it's it's not great as a standalone from a resilience perspective. When it is paired with other technologies like a battery, you can start to get a, a, a ton of tremendous benefits. And we'll be exploring some of the additional benefits beyond resilience of batteries in, in other future episodes. But the, 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 the key thing is taking a more comprehensive view of your on-site energy system. So hopefully our listeners find some value in that. If there are questions please feel free to reach out to us. We're happy to take them and address them in future episodes. But uh, in the spirit of, of, of taking listener feedback, we, we did hear from some of our early episodes that people were wondering a bit more about us, who we are and, and where we come from. And so on that note, while the podcast isn't about us, we want to highlight the, the others in the space and, and some educational content. Let's dive into that. And I think the number one question on people's mind is, where in the world is Gareth Evans from? <laughs> even uh, even my family said, wow, in that intro, you really sounded Australian. 
And so I have lived in Australia, but I am not from Australia. My accent is completely uh, messed up these days. So born and raised just outside of Liverpool, England, on a little peninsula called the Wirral. It sits between North Wales and Liverpool. It's a beautiful part of the world, surrounded by the River Dee, the River Mersey, adjacent to the Irish Sea. It's now got a huge amount of offshore wind turbines off its coast, but very green, very wet, lots of beaches, but definitely not San Diego beaches. And uh, it's next to what was the European city of culture for several years, Liverpool, which has a huge amount of history. It's an awesome place to be. It was used, like its port was massive, you know, especially for a lot of the trade back in the day, cotton, slavery to some degree. The area we grew up in, Irby, anything that ends in a BY apparently was Viking origin. Irby, Pensby, Kirby, these are all. So I think we've got a bit of Viking heritage in us. But yeah, I've had uh, the pleasure of living and working all around the world since. And so my accent's completely screwed up and my wife's Canadian. I lived in Canada, Middle East, Australia, and now here in the US. So we can dig into some of those adventures on future episodes. But yeah. England is where it's from. An Englishman, but a man of the world. Yeah, exactly. And how about yourself, Dan? Well, b- before we get to me, I think another follow-up question that I, I know you often get is uh, Liverpool is your FC team, right? <laughs> it's not because of my dad. I'm uh, the blue half of the city, which is Everton. I'm a brother who didn't want to be like me. He didn't want to follow in my footsteps. He's the, my younger brother. He chose Liverpool. He's had a life of joy and pleasure. And I've had a life of pain. Um, we've never won anything apart from one trophy in my in my life. And I've now set up my son for that same life of misery. So I get to uh, watch him suffer as well. Yes, yes. Well, thanks for, for indulging us there, Gareth. <laughs> um, so to your question, I'm a native Californian, born and raised about 100 miles north of San Francisco. I think I mentioned that in our, in our opening episode in a small rural town uh, called Ukiah in Mendocino, uh, Mendocino County, I should say. Beautiful area. I loved growing up there. Spent most of my time outdoors uh, in the Redwoods. The third tallest tree in the world is in a grove about 15 minutes outside of town. So got to explore that area. Lots of great mountain biking, a wonderful lake uh, a couple miles outside of town. But yeah, great place to grow up. Still very, very much uh, in touch with many of my friends that I grew up all the way dating back to preschool. So it was very much a, a small town vibe. But throughout all that, it, I mean, fire and wildfires was a was a big part of mm. of our lives, uh, and certainly has has gotten more and more intense through the years. But I remember one time when I was in high school, there was uh, just hundreds of lightning strikes lighting fires up in up in the forests of, of Mendocino County. So something that helps drive me in the in the energy transition. And yeah, I, I'm excited to when I get to get back up there because it's just a special slice of earth. Yeah. And I think it plays into the first part of the conversation about being connected to your environment and nature. And I think it's easy to get lost in that in the in the urban environment. So I bet it was a pretty special place place to grow up. It was. It was. Yeah. Well certainly explore other places uh, that I've lived up and down the coast of California, but uh, but yeah, California's home. Nice. That's amazing. Cool. Just as we finish out, I was just laughing to myself because when I first saw Hurricane Hillary in my newsfeed, I was like, oh my God, are we getting into more politics again? And I actually almost didn't read about it. (laughs) And so the hurricane might have come as a bit of surprise, but I thought it was another 
presidential run that we're in store for and uh, Hurricane Hillary, Hillary was going to be on the charge, but it doesn't, turns out it isn't the case and it's actually legit. Yeah, yeah, well, hopefully, uh, hopefully it's it's not as all it's, uh, the analysts are, are saying it's going to be and it's just a little bit of extra rain, which especially this time of year, we can use that here in California. Absolutely. Yeah, it'll probably help for the rest of the season. But maybe we'll post in the show notes. There's a pretty crazy image that I shared with Dan today of you can see the hurricane and its track coming up the coast. And you kind of don't uh, notice it until you really look. But then <laughs> in the same map, California's riddled with wildfires all at the same time. So it's a really bizarre moments where there's lots of stuff going on. But they might yep. cancel each other out. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, thanks for another fun episode, Dan. That was a, that was a joy. Race for the weekend. And I'm excited for the next one. Sounds like a plan. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good one, everyone. Catch you soon. See you, everyone. We receive a lot of questions from business leaders around the world wanting to learn more about the energy transition, what is possible, and where to start. So to help you stay informed and up to date on best practices, opportunities, risks, and success stories, we created an industry news feed at vector.com forward slash news with all our podcasts, blogs, and newsletter. Check it out and connect with Dan, myself, and the Vector team to learn more. Cheers, and have a good one.